The next question coming from the MBT forum user is um, a question um, about Jürgen Ziebe's reports of the afterlife and yours. Now, you recently got back from Germany where you and Jürgen were both on a TV show that's going to be coming out in Germany called Timeless. And I know you got to talk to him a bit about things. So this question hits on some of those um, things you may have talked to him about. He says, hello, Tom. I've heard you talk about the process we go through after dying and also about dead Uncle Fred, who doesn't hang around, sitting on a cloud, playing his harp, waiting for the phone to ring. I understand that the free will awareness unit that resides in the avatar during a lifetime gets reabsorbed into the IUOC after death, Mm -hmm. adding all the experiences and qualities of the just-ended life to the accumulated experiences already there. The process of dying, evaluating the past life, choosing a new area of development to focus on, and jumping into the next life sounds efficient and makes sense to me. However, there's a question which keeps bugging me. I've read a number of books, Bob Monroe's to start, but with uh, also with the books written by Jürgen Ziva. I think you may have met him, and you certainly have. There is an interview on YouTube of the two of you together. Ziva writes about his adventures in NPMR and the interviews he conducted with the people he met there asking them if they knew they were dead. In most cases, they did know. Many of the people did not appear to be in any sort of transitional process. They lived in houses, cities, or in the countryside, walked their dog or did whatever they liked, and seemed pretty content with spending a lot of time there, at least those that lived in the better or lighter regions. Mr. Ziva comes across to me as a reliable source, even though, of course, all he writes about are his personal experiences. There is also a lovely book by Professor Stafford Betty called The Afterlife Unveiled, where he brings together accounts from deceased people as they have been recorded through reliable mediums over many decades. All of those stories have in common that they seem to talk about a real world in NPMR where people live for prolonged periods after their death and not necessarily in a transit process. So my question is, How do these two ideas come together? On the one hand, your description of a quick and efficient out and back in again process. On the other hand, reliable stories about people spending quite a lot of time in a seemingly very real afterlife. They seem to be real people with free will and ability to make choices also in their afterlife. So the explanation that is just their data floating around there doesn't quite add up for me. Can you help me understand this a bit better? Sure. Yeah, that was a question that uh, Jürgen and I uh, sat down and discussed just when we were in Germany. And at the end of that discussion, I think uh, uh, Jürgen agreed with me that there really wasn't any conflict between our two opinions. And I'll try to explain how that works. That I should maybe put it another way, that, that, uh, that my model does indeed embrace all of his experiences. Okay, so all of his experiences can be explained with my model. Um, uh, Where to start? There's a couple of of basic ideas you need first. And one of them is that information only comes from uh, three different sources. So as you get information, it's information that you make up yourself because you're consciousness and you can create information. 
There's information that comes to you from the larger consciousness system, which uh, would take care of guides and whatever else that you might want to break that system down into. But we'll just say that comes from the larger consciousness system. And then there's information that comes from some other IUOC. Because any other IUOC or free will awareness unit is consciousness, and it also can create information. Consciousness creates information. So those are the three categories, uh, yourself, another, or the larger consciousness system that I call the, uh, the LCS. So those are the sources. Now, secondly, there's no way to differentiate between those sources. They don't have little tags on them to say, oh, this is from the larger conscious system and this is from yourself. You get them all together and you get them all mixed. It's very difficult without a lot of experience to pick them apart as to say which is coming from where. Okay, So that's one set of facts that are important. Another set is that whether we're in this reality or or any other reality frame, one thing is always the same, and that is we get information from one of these three sources. Then we have to interpret that information. Okay, we get data, I should say it that way. We get data from another source. Now, the way that works is I have to explain the difference between data and information. Okay, information is the content, the meaning, the significance. That's the information. Data is the, is the, uh, what should we say, the, the, uh, the code or the, uh, the, maybe the ink things, the, the splotches of ink on the paper or the ones and zeros in the computer that just lets you, lets you transfer that information from one point to another. When you transfer information, you transfer data, not really the information. You transfer data. Okay, so you write on a piece of paper because you have information, which means meaning, content, significance. You write about that on the piece of paper. You describe it. You explain it. But that piece of paper is now data. And somebody else can take that piece of paper and read it. But when they read it, they have to interpret what that means. You writing it had to interpret how to take what you what you felt, how to take that information and convert it into data. In other words, convert it into language, convert it into symbols. Then those symbols get passed to somebody else, and they have to take those symbols and convert it back into information. So that's just necessary whether you're in, you know, the non-physical or or out of body or in this physical reality. It always works that way. Okay, so consciousness deals with information. Data is a way of transmitting. You have to you have to interpret. Your, your significance and, and the, uh, the meaning into symbols. And that's not a 100% accurate transformation. When you have an idea and you try to write it down, often what you write down is just a shadow of what's in your mind or the feelings that you had. You can try to describe it, but there's no way to describe it perfectly, 100%. Because language won't, language won't allow you to do that. You only have certain numbers of definitions and things that you have to work with. So you do your best as you can to put it into data. The data is a, is a shadow of what you actually experienced. You pass that data 
and they get the data, that shadow, and they have to interpret in terms of their own experience. So what they get out of the data has to do with them, their fears, their beliefs, their understanding, and all communications anywhere works that way. Okay? So now, we have all of that. Let's get to uh, Bob Monroe or, or uh, uh, Jurgen, and they go out and they have an experience. What they have, what that experience is, it's a data stream. They get a data stream. That data stream has certain, you know, it comes from whatever, themselves, the system, or some other being, and it's representing some set of thoughts and meaning and significance, and they get the data, and they have to interpret it. They have to interpret it in terms of what they know, in terms of their experience, in terms of their knowledge, their fears, whatever they have. Okay, so if you get that data, you are going to interpret it in terms of your own sense data. You're going to interpret it in terms of what you saw, what you heard, what you smelled, what you tasted, what you felt. Because that's the only way you can interpret it. Because that's the way we, you know, that's what we learn as we grow up in this virtual reality. So you'll interpret it, you know, I went out of body and I saw this, I heard that, I smelled this other thing, I tasted that cherry ice cream cone. And we interpret in terms of our sense data. It's not because we got sense data there. It's that we can't interpret it any other way because our language, no matter what language you speak, our language here was developed to describe our sense data. That's what our language does. You can't, you know, you can't think in any terms other than your language. You can feel without a language, but you can't really think and express without a language. So the language limits you to descriptions of sense data. So already you're taking something that may not have been easily or, or accurately translated into sense data, but you're translating it into sense data anyway because that's your limitation. Okay, so we, we see that. So if you are if you get this idea that there are people and that they're interacting and this and that, you're going to see them in a way that is familiar with you. They're going to be living in cities. They're going to be dressed in certain ways with certain fashions. They're, you know, the style of their hair is going to be certain ways. And you're going to have a conversation with them. And you will see them maybe as physical things within. And you'll ask them questions. And the answers you get from those questions are things that you interpret into this physical reality. So you're going to interpret stuff in terms of your own experience. That's why Bob Monroe and, and Jurgen see things that look and sound like they're just sort of like here. They're just different. You know, being in that out-of-body place is not all that different than being in, you know, Berlin or Chicago, other than the fact that, of course, it's different. There's only, you know, people who are dead that are there or people who've been here and then died. So you have this other sense of, so people get things. They have no choice but to translate it into something that's part of their experience because that's the only stuff they have, the only way they can. So they do that, and it turns out to be a kind of a, a mirror, if you will, of our own reality. People seem to be very much in the same kind of spaces, doing the same kinds of things as we do here. 
because that's the way we translate it. All right. Now, so what is going on? What's this problem? Yes, Uncle Uncle Fred's dead, and he's gone on to something else. But 10 years later, uh, you go to a medium, and you say, I really need to talk to my dead Uncle Fred because he and I had this really big argument before we he died, and we I said some things I really uh, shouldn't have said, and I feel like I need closure here. I need I never got a chance to get that right with him before he died, and, and it's been bugging me, and I've been feeling guilty ever since. So can you dial up dead Uncle Fred and, and let me apologize or whatever it is? So you go to a medium, and the medium pulls up Uncle Fred, and Uncle Fred can then chat with you, and you can tell him you're sorry, and he can respond to that and accept your apology or deny your apology or do whatever, and you can ask your dead Uncle Fred questions like, uh, how do you think tomorrow's election is going to turn out, Uncle Fred? And even though Uncle Fred died 10 years ago and has absolutely no information about your election firsthand, he can answer that. Well, I think the son, he'll even know who it is that's you know running against who, and he will have a that it's not because he keeps up with the news. You know, he gets a, a newspaper for dead people. It's because Uncle Fred is being played by the larger consciousness system. The larger consciousness system is interacting with you because you need it. You have this guilt. You have this problem. It's it's keeping you from optimizing your evolution. You need to deal with this. So the larger conscious system plays Uncle Fred. It restricts itself to only those things that represent your Uncle Fred, the way your Uncle Fred thought, felt, and so on else. So the system can answer your questions, can talk to you about current events, and what he says would have been the most likely thing that Uncle Fred would have said, given your question. So if Uncle Fred had still been around, system gives you the answer that is most likely Uncle Fred was giving you. You see, so the system constrains itself to only speaking within that envelope that defines Uncle Fred. And that envelope is very well defined. Everything Uncle Fred ever thought about, felt, did, whatever. So it's all in there. So the system has Uncle Fred down to a T and can simulate him very easily. So that's why the system the reason why the system does that is it's trying to help you grow up. You understand things. So as you go out of body and you meet, you know, your your brother and your mother and your dead uncle Fred and all these people, that the interaction you're going to get from them is things that's going to help you understand something. It's it's for you. It's not for their benefit. It's all put on for your benefit to give you closure, to give you information, to give you a sense of how things work. But you're going to interpret it in terms of what you know. Okay, so if you're talking to your mother, you're not going to be talking to your mother, you know, in the form of a three-headed chicken. You're going to be talking to your mother exactly the way she looked when you saw her last or when the way you remember her. And it's going to be walking down a street, you know, in the city where she lived or something like that because that's what feels natural to What's going on? It's not going to be just talking heads. You know, talking heads aren't really what we experience in our life. So it's not going to be a talking head appears and you have a conversation with it. It's going to be somebody walking down a street or somebody, you know, fixing dinner and you're in the kitchen and they're fixing dinner for people and you're having a conversation. You're going to put it in a context 
that is familiar to you and that makes sense for that person because that's the way you're going to interpret the data. And the system may even go out of its way to do to give you that kind of a picture because it wants you to accept that this is Uncle Fred. This is your mother or your brother or your cousin because that's the only way you're going to learn and get over it. That's how you have trust. When, when Uncle Fred tells you, okay, I understand you were upset. I forgive you. Everything's all right. You have to really have a sense that that really is Uncle Fred who is giving you forgiveness because otherwise it's not going to help you. So the system needs to be very convincing. So it can put it into a form, a format, an environment that is convincing for you. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You see, it has to do that. If it shows up as a three-headed talking chicken and says, oh, I'm your Uncle Fred. Yeah, let me talk to you about it. I forgive you. You know, it won't work. You won't feel forgiven because it wasn't really Uncle Fred. So it needs to be, look, smell, feel, and interact just like Uncle Fred did or the whole thing won't work anyway. So the system is very convincing. So what happens when Bob Monroe goes out and he sees these these, uh, you know, big, uh, what, different uh, spheres within spheres of people. And here are the souls that are confused. And over here are the souls that aren't confused. And here are the ones that do this. And there's five levels of that, you know, and so on. That's just the way that Bob was able to put together the information to make sense to him that he got. Okay, now Bob had the opinion that whatever he saw, that's what was there. He thought that this out of body was a place, just like Chicago. You know, he had his park and he would go to his park and go, you know, sit on the bench and relax and that was a nice place. But it's not that there was a park. There are no places in the out of body. It's just information. There are no places. Consciousness isn't place centered. It takes a 3D virtual reality to be place centered. You need physical dimensions to be place centered. Consciousness isn't a place. It has no place. It has no dimension. Okay. But, you know, Bob ended up with a park because then Bob's mind, that was the epitome of a place to go relax. It was a woods with big trees and shade and maybe a lake. You know, that was his thing. Had Bob grown up in a desert, his thing would have been a place, you know, out on a big rock someplace with a, with a spectacular view looking at the sunset. And that would have been his place, not a woods, you know, with a park, you know, with a lot of green grass and a bench. So it reflected Bob's sense of a relaxing place. Somebody else would be sitting in a rowboat floating in a lake. You know, somebody else would be on a mountaintop. You know, who knows? Whatever is your relaxing place, that's what you'd find when you went to a relaxing place there because that's how you'd interpret it. Well, then other people read Bob's book. And they want to go visit the park because they also believe that out-of-body is a place. And place is easy for them to think of because that's the way our reality is. It's full of places. So they kind of, it's simple for them to think, well, another reality frame is just a bunch of different places. See, that's just as easy. It's much easier than saying, oh, it's a data stream. Now that's very abstract. And to deal with that, you have to kind of get above places. 
That's much harder to deal with abstractions than it is with concrete things like parks with big trees and shade and grass. That makes it all concrete. And that's what we tend to do. So these other people, they say, I want to go to Bob's Park. He described it. It's got these big trees. It's got the park. It's got this pathway. So they have their intent to see that. And that's what they see. They create that and they can go hang out in Bob's Park and even, uh, you know, meet other people there who are also going to his park. It's just another thought form, if you will, that we can use as a tool to help us relax or meet other people or whatever. So now Bob's, Bob's Park becomes a place that hundreds of people have been to Bob's Park. So that makes it all that much more a place. So you see how these things work? It's a, it's a, um, it has to do with interpretation. It has to do with the need to make things concrete so we can talk about them and not only talk, but we can talk to ourselves about them so we can understand them. We don't understand a thought until we put it into language in our own mind, right? Without language, we can't even think about it. So that's how they end up looking just like Chicago, even though they're non-physical. They seem to be very similar to things here because that's what's in our memory. And they're very convincing. It really is talking to my mom because it's everything my mom knows and stuff that nobody else knows but my mom or but my Uncle Fred. You know, it's just things that Uncle Fred can tell me about uh, his wife, Aunt Susie, and I never knew him. And then I go and the next day I take a trip or a telephone call to Aunt Susie who's still alive and she verifies all those things that he said. You see, so it had to be Uncle Fred, right? Nobody else knew that but Uncle Fred. Well, the larger conscious system has all that in a database, so it knows that too. So it has to be convincing or it isn't helpful. And put, putting them in an environment that's typical makes it more convincing. Give, answering questions like giving the, giving the person uh, information about Aunt Susie helps make it convincing because the person can then verify that. So... That's the way it works. So when people are interacting with other people and it seems like they're in another place and it's very similar and the people are even wearing the same clothes that you remembered them in when they, you know, when you interacted with them here, it's not that they haven't changed their clothes for a decade. It's that that's just the way they re they are represented in your mind. That's how you interpret the data. Okay. So when Jürgen and I had this discussion and he realized that, that yes, many of the things that he got were things that were educational to him, not just for resolving things with individual people, but just by getting information about the nature of the larger reality. He, could, he learned a lot through these discussions. And he realized that, yes, his education did seem to be central to that. Uh, it was an important part of the overall thing. So anyhow, I think we, uh, at least he saw how my theory could reproduce his experiences. And there really wasn't a conflict between the two. It just was a matter of how you interpret the data. All right. So I guess that, that answers that. And I took a little extra time with this because that's a question that I've heard many, many times from many people. Um, my description seems to conflict with theirs. And that's why. What I do is my model, I try very hard as I made it to stick to the minimal set. Only those things that were fundamental, that were absolutely logically necessary to the model, did I include. 
So I don't have any of the embellishments that would make it seem more concrete or that make it seem more uh, like this reality. So yes, it's very abstract because these ideas are very abstract. So in my model, you have to deal with the abstraction. It's the simplest model. It's the, I don't know what to say, the most uh, uh, reduced to just the bare necessities, nothing else added because it feels right, seems more at home, puts it into a context that people can better understand. I don't have any of that in it. It's just the logical pieces that are necessary to answer the questions. So other people's models are a little more homey, a little more uh, concrete, um, kind of easier to grasp and deal with. They're not so abstract, but that's a good thing, not a bad thing. That helps other people you know, get the information. It's easier to work with that kind of a model. But I didn't want to add any embellishments to mine, so it's nothing but the logical necessities, which unfortunately is at a very abstract and efficient, and some people say cold model. You know, it's like cuddling up to a you know steel eye beam. It's just all this logic and all this precision and all that stuff, but it doesn't seem to give you those warm, fuzzy feelings inside, like uh, you know holding hands with your mom on the terrace of her apartment does when you have an out of body that works that way. So it's just different models. You know, like uh, chakras are a good example. Chakras are not fundamental. Chakras are just somebody's decided how they would slice and dice up the data to make an explanation more concrete. And how you can't make it any more concrete than to make it attached to your body. You see, so it works. It's a tool. It's a good tool. It helps people understand. It helps people deal with concepts. Otherwise, everything is very abstract. And most people don't like to operate in abstract space. They rather operate in a more concrete space. So you make up something that makes it easier for them to do that, and now you have a very valuable model. But, you know, you can say, well, how come the Zen Buddhists don't talk about chakras? How come the shaman don't talk about chakras? How come the only people that really do chakras were the were the Hindus? They did the chakras. And maybe later the Buddhists picked that up too because they really sprouted out of the Hindus. So anyhow, it's because some very clever person made that up because it was helpful to help other people understand. But it's not fundamental. And that's the same sort of thing that's going on here. So the consciousness system is using Uncle Fred's likeness and Uncle Fred's database to be helpful to you. Make that closure or to help for you to understand a bigger picture so that you can talk to non-physical beings. For the most part, think of an out-of-body as a single-player game with the LCS. Okay? The LCS is the server, and you're in a single-player game. And all the players that you find in that game that you interact with and talk and ask questions to and get answers, whether it's your mother or your brother or Uncle Fred, those are all NPCs being played by the LCS. Boy, I sound like I talk in acronyms, doesn't Those are non-player characters that are being played by the larger consciousness system. You see? So if you think of it that way, then it, it's abstract, but it makes more sense. And one other thing I have to say about it is that look at the difference. Who are you? You know, who are we? We are pieces of consciousness that are a part of the larger consciousness system. 
we're we're one with all. We're just a piece of that larger consciousness system. Okay, and here we are, and we are expressing ourselves as a part of that system. All right, so now what's dead Uncle Fred or your mother or your brother in a in an out of body experience? Well, it's the larger consciousness system expressing Uncle Fred instead of the larger conscious system expressing you. You see? So now we're a piece of that larger conscious system, and you could say, well, that's then where the larger, larger conscious system is expressing us. Well, what defines us? What defines us is all the choices that we've ever made in all our lifetimes. Start with lifetime number one. All the choices we've ever made from that point up to the choice we just made a second ago, that's what defines us. So the larger conscious system is expressing us constrained by all the choices we've made up to this time. That's what defines it. And it has to be consistent with that history. And when you talk to dead Uncle Fred, it's a larger conscious system expressing Uncle Fred in terms of all the choices Uncle Fred has ever made in all his lifetimes. So what's really the difference between the dead Uncle Fred that the LCS is doing and you? and the Uncle Fred that existed before he died. You see, there's very little difference here. Very little difference. It's mainly the difference of what we're doing. Uncle Fred's no longer living that life. He died. Uncle Fred's free will, free will awareness unit has been absorbed by his individuated unit of consciousness. We still have a free will awareness unit, and we're still plugging along here in this uh, virtual reality. So there's some differences there, but those are, you know, those aren't fundamental differences. Those are structural differences. So when you talk to dead Uncle Fred, that dead Uncle Fred talking to you isn't a whole lot different than you, you know, talking to, you know, somebody that's, that's alive here. We're all parts of the larger kinds of system being expressed through our sum total of all our choices through our history. And, a, and the system has to be consistent with that history. And how do how do we change that history? We grow up, we make better choices, we change ourselves, and that's how that that that's how that character evolves. That's how the free will awareness unit evolves, and the IUOC evolves. So now we got a different set of choices, and the LCS has to play us now, you know, to our to our uh, uh, nephew that comes, needs to make peace with us, you know, well, it plays us through all the choices that we've made, right up to the very last choices that that was. So you see, it's not like that you have the real Uncle Fred and the dead Uncle Fred and the fake Uncle Fred, you know. None of them are fake. They're all information, and there's nothing more real than information. There's nothing that's fake. Information, you don't say the, the real information and the fake information. Information is as real as it gets. So that's the explanation of, you know, the difference between Bob Monroe and, and, and Jurgen and my model. It's just, I look at it from a very abstract, different viewpoint, but there's really no conflict between them. Thank you, Tom. That's good to know. Glad you got along so well with Jurgen. Uh, Gulen would like to ask a question. This will be our final question for the day. Please go ahead. Hello? Hi. Hello, Tom. Hello, Donna and everybody. Good evening. Nice to see you. Um, 
I'm going to um, ask a personal question, Tom, and I hope uh, that it's going to help others as well. Um, it is uh, about feeling, or I'm going to read, experiencing fear. When I'm experiencing a stressful event, uh, or I'm in a difficult uh, phase in my life, I feel that my fear no, I feel my fear as in a strong, uh, heavy energy around around my navel or around my stomach. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was younger, I would run from, try to run from it because it's so painful and so heavy. Um, I would, you know, go meet my friends, drink alcohol, talk shit about these people involved that I, I was thinking caused my problem. Um, but lately, I've started practicing accepting that feeling and uh, try to be um, to stay aware of that and just continue living my life the best way I can while I'm still experiencing that energy. Uh, but it is really painful uh, and heavy feeling, negative. Uh, it makes you weak. Uh, makes you want to lie down and keep your attention there all the time to make sure that it will not take your, take over your personality. I will. I feel though, with time, it's becoming somehow easier, but the progress is slow. Do you think that I'm doing what I'm doing is right for me? This is the first part of the question, and second is somehow related to the topic as well. Um, maybe in order to make this energy less and gradually dissolve, I need to work with the causes. Uh, for example, some traumatic events uh, that I have experienced earlier in my life, and I know I have list of the events that might be the cause that I have such a huge fear, and uh, uh, try to recall memories and uh, you know people involved. Uh, and try to to go through detailed through the event and try to forgive everybody involved or including myself as well and uh, um do i ha- if it's the way to do so if you think that it might be fitting me then do i uh, do i need um, to do it or is it the best way to do it in a, a meditative state or uh, can it be uh, enough to to start the process intellectually and then when it comes to the emotions and feelings forgiveness try to do it from the being level okay well i heard at least five or six questions in there um if i don't touch on all of them then just speak back up again and and ask but uh yes i think you are doing it right um you are manifesting that fear as the pain in your in your stomach the pain in that area is manifested by the fear so that's that's you you're taking that fear and making it physical yeah okay. exactly. yeah that's your that's the way you you uh, manifest it now i think you're doing the right thing whereas instead of running away from it and trying to ignore it and going out and getting busy and you know trying to forget about it that won't make it go away actually what it does is it gets worse 
over time. It just builds up and gets worse if you ignore it. So what you're doing now is not ignoring it. And you hit on several of the processes that, that may be helpful. When you, when you decide to deal with it and not ignore it, there's a couple of things that are helpful. And one is that you, so you say you, um, accept it. And by accepting it, I don't mean you like it. <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's real. Whatever's causing that, you know, that fear, and you have some idea what that fear is and that it came from childhood things, and you got some sense of that. So that you just accept it. Okay, that's the way it was. It just was that way for whatever reason. All right, people treated me very badly, and people made it such that I felt bad about myself, and I felt inadequate, and I felt insecure because of the things they did and the things they said. Well, you can come to all of that conclusion, and you have to then say, okay, I accept that. That's It wasn't really about me and my adequacy. It was really about them. It's about those people. They acted the way they did because of their own fear, their own problems, their own issues. It was just the way they acted. You know, they couldn't act any other way. It was them. You know, most of us are doing the best we can with what we've got to work with. And what we've got to work with is the level of quality that we come in with. We come in with that, and that's what we got to work with. We can improve it. Most people don't improve it very much in a lifetime. It's a very slow process. So you come in and you have high entropy like most everybody else, and you do the best you can with that. But that means you break things, you hurt people, you know, you do all sorts of things. But that's the best you can do with what you got. So you have to look at that and accept it in that sense. It just was the way it was. It wasn't personal. It really wasn't me. They did and said the things they did, not because I was inadequate, but because they were struggling with their own demons, with their own fear, with their own inadequacies. That's why they did the things they did. had nothing to do with me. And when you get that at a being level, then it's easy to find forgiveness because they were just who they were. They couldn't have been anybody else. They did a lot of things that were hurtful, but... That's an expression of who they were. So you forgive them and say, okay, I know you were just trying to do the best you could with what you had. You were frustrated. You were upset. You were inadequate. You were this and you were that. You were insecure. And somehow I just didn't fit in very well to all those insecurities and problems that you were having. So I ended up, you know, uh, with some trouble from it. Well, forgive them. The next thing you can do is say, well, that was a long time ago. Why do I need to carry all this around with me and, you know, have this, this pain that I feel because that the way I feel insecure, the way I feel inadequate, that I feel I didn't do it right or wasn't good enough or so on, you know, wasn't loved, wasn't cared for. And you have all these things that, that cause the hurt and you have to just accept that. Just give that little girl a hug and tell her everything's going to be all right. You're going to grow up and. All of this will will end and you'll be okay. And you let that go. So if you can do those two things, forgive the, the perpetrators, if you will, and then tell yourself it's over. From now on, you're in charge of this growing up. 
you're going to take charge of the way you interpret things. So you interpreted that you weren't good enough or weren't adequate or weren't loved, somehow didn't measure up. Well, those were all negative interpretations because you were dealing with negative people. And you have to realize that, forgive yourself that, all right, that's just the way I felt because I was three years old or six year old or 10 year old at the time. And I'm not that anymore. Let it go. Accept it. It is what it is. Was what it was. Accept it and move on. Say, all right, that happened. Here I am now. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Okay. So take that attitude rather than continually crunching over and over and over again the, the shame, the hurt, the, you know, lack of confidence and all that stuff. And you keep working on that. And that's what builds that knot in your stomach that is so painful. It's that stress of all of that happening is what cre- creates those muscles to clamp up like that and cramp and it causes that pain. So accepting it, that it just is what it is, accepting them that they are who they are and really they weren't able to act any differently because they didn't have any better quality than that. Um, and then forgiving yourself for things you did Things the way you lashed back, you know, the fear that you've, you've interacted with other people because of your fear in ways that were dysfunctional. You've maybe had trouble in relationships because of that fear that's been, you know, so you can look at all of that and you can say, well, you know, I've, I was a product of all of that dysfunction. <laughs> I got some of it and I've been dysfunctional too. All right. You got to accept that too and say, okay, well, that's just the way I am. I accept that, but I don't have to stay that way. I can change. I can be different. And then you have this intention that says, next time I start acting out of that fear, I'm going to catch myself. Now, this is all intellectual. And catch yourself. But don't say, I don't want to act that way and try to act better. Catch yourself and say, I don't want to be that way. Not about behavior. It's about being. Say, okay, this anger comes up out of me or I feel abused or whatever. And it's because of all that stuff in my past, I'm not going to be that way. And if you have this intent in your mind all the time, you know, it's just that intense there. You always catch yourself. You say, I don't want to be that way. Let it go. And you kind of let the anger subside. You let the whole thing go. And you go on with your life in a more happy thing. It's going to be slow progress. You said you have been making progress, but it's slow. It's going to be slow. But it'll get faster and faster. The more you get rid of it, the quicker the rest of it will go. So you're doing the right thing. You are making progress. Just keep at it. Don't get discouraged because it takes a long time. It was a long time building. You've you've been building with it, you see, for years and years and years. Well, if you build something for, you know, for 50 years, you're not going to tear it down, you know, in an hour. It takes a while to pull that apart. It takes a while to, to deal with that. So that's... It is going to be slow, but you'll see it. The more commitment you have to, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to act out of this fear. Let that fear go. And it will eventually just go away. It'll get less and less and less. I have already some results. It's amazing results. And I, it feels good. I know that I'm doing some progress. I know that. It feels like the truth. When it comes, it's like, oh, my God. It's like. A hard experience. 
Yes, it's liberating. You feel a great weight coming off your shoulders. Yes. Yeah, yeah that is that is the way it is. So just keep you're doing fine. Just keep up that work. Keep up that intent. And like I say, the progress will accelerate. It'll get better and better. Now, fear is fear is an ugly thing, and fear will tend to push back. As you push your fear away, that fear will come back and it'll come back uh, you know, all puffed up and roaring and trying to frighten you back into that same fearful position you've always been in. So that, that fear will rear its ugly head and say, yeah, okay, you think you're better, but you're really messed up. Look at that such and such you did. You're really messed up. You are inadequate. Live with it. What what don't you understand about, you know, your problems here? And the fear will be ugly. The fear will try to push you back into that space that you were. Because the fear had power there. What you're doing is making the fear powerless and the fear will push back. So expect that. Expect that fear to come back and try to frighten you, but you just don't let it. Push it aside and say, nah, I'm not having any of that. I'm in charge, you're not. Tom, it can as well come to some people who are around me or significant others, yeah? It can. Yeah. It can come through all sorts of things, just like you manifest it in your in your stomach, in your midsection, and you can manifest the way the fear comes at you through all kinds of other things. Yes, and you just have to not let that push you in that direction. Say, not been there, done that, not going back. I'm getting over it, so I'm just not going to be that way. And you'll see that as your commitment gets stronger and stronger, the fear will go away more and more. And eventually, now that eventually could be a month or it could be another five years, but eventually you'll be done with it. And then your life will be so much better in every way that you can imagine and in some ways you can't imagine. Everything will get so much better. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Gulam. Thank you, Tom. And thanks to all of you who joined us here today. We hope to see you again next month.